attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Steve Landsman. Steve Landsman. Steve came over. We had a great conversation. Steve's name had come up over and over and over again from so many guys, uh, but Steve was not someone I knew. So this was one of those great situations where uh, I'd heard about someone through the history project over and over and finally got to meet them, and he was even nicer and cooler than all those guys said. He was really tremendous. So we had a really fun time talking about camp. You're going to enjoy his stories. Before we get to that, of course, a couple things. First and foremost, OJ90. In the very, very near future, you're going to be getting a save the date in an email. Put that date on your calendars, folks. It's May 5th and 6th, 2017. OJ90, the Camp Ojibwe 90th Summer Celebration. It's going to be the biggest, best celebration ever. Certainly in the history of Camp Ojibwe, maybe in the history of summer camps ever. And you're not going to want to miss it. So put that in your calendar. May 5th, 6th, 2017. OJ90. Mark it down now. Uh, also... If you have not gotten your bricks, of course, click on over on the uh, campojibahistory.org, click on Walk of Fame, and get your commemorative brick to support the History Project right there under the Collegiate Week bench at camp, the yellow bench for you guys who've been around for a while. And again, if you see me driving around in the old OJ mobile, wave me down, flag me down. I've got some special gifts for you. So if you see me out in the Ojibwe Mobile, say hello. That is it. That's the housekeeping. On with the show. Here we go. Steve Landsman on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. foremost please state your name and years at camp steve landsman um 1953 to 1962 except missed 1961 aha excellent so how do you first find out about camp ojibwa i was looking for a sports camp i was uh i was always athletically inclined and i went to a sports day camp Mm. and then uh i went one year to a ymca overnight camp and I didn't care for it very much and then um, we were going to move from uh, West Rogers Park to Oak Park and uh. and my mom went to high school with a woman whose son had gone to Ojibwa and, uh, <laughs> and, and said this is a great sports camp so um, 
So I ended up going there, and he wasn't there that, <laughs> that, that first year, but we became very best friends, and we've been best friends for since 1953. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So did Al or Mickey come over and give you the spiel? They did. <laughs> yeah, they came to the house and uh, talked about camp, and it was, it, was, um, it was made to order. It was like a mm. dream come true. I mean, I was a city kid. Um, at that time, uh, it was kind of interesting because there were polio scares. Oh, sure, of course. And uh, this was 1950s. And also, there wasn't what you have today in the, in the nature of specialty camps. I mean, nobody mm. went to soccer camp or, you know, or hockey camp or whatever it was. I right. mean, people just went to camp. And the idea of being out of the city for eight weeks... Um, at an all sports type camp was <laughs> was was heaven. Yeah, um, definitely. And it was kind of interesting because uh, you know when when we would leave for camp, all the parents are just you know bereft. They their their kids are going away sure. for eight weeks, and all the kids are just ec- <laughs> ecstatic. They can't believe how great this is going to be. Um, so um, so my first year was 1953. And I was there um, nine total years, six as a camper, two as a JC, and one as a counselor. So I had every view, plus I was uh, also the bugler for the camp. Ah, I want to get into that in a minute. Excellent. Uh, so you go to camp, and you, you're on the buses. Not You, you probably just missed the train? No, we, we, or you were on the train. we were on the trains. That was quite an experience. I was going to say, that's probably the first time you've been on that kind of a trip oh, at all. Yeah. And I mean, we when we got off that train, we always wondered how many months it would take people to clean up that mess. <laughs> I mean, it was, nobody slept and it was just ridiculous, but, uh, <laughs> but that's what it was. And there were buses too, I think, after a while. Um, but I think initially it was trains that went up there. Yeah. What's the first thing you remember about seeing camp? I just remember walking, um, walking onto that campus. Uh, you know, the buses came and the, and you got out and there you are at the waterfront and the campus and it was just so beautiful. Mm. And um, and my first year I was in cabin six, ah. so you know I was, you know, kind of one of the younger guys. Yeah, and for sure. It was my first year <laughs> and and and. Um, and it's interesting because I think, as I look back over the years, um, and and I look at the unusual bond that people who who went there have and have have maintained throughout mm-hmm. all these years. I mean, if if you haven't seen somebody for twenty years that you went to camp with and you saw them tomorrow, it would be fantastic. Yeah, and, absolutely. And one of the things I think that happened is that because you didn't have this ra- you know this big wide selection of of specialty camps that people went to you ended up kind of growing up with the same people i mean year mm. after year mm-hmm. uh for the most part i mean people came and went but sure. but there were a core of people even in different cabins i mean you know if i was in cabin 6 whoever was in cabin 7 and advanced or in cabin 10, you know, they advanced. And right. You, so you were, you were basically seeing the same core group of people at camp every year. And so 
it was a it was it was the development of a tremendous community and the way camp was structured at that time um, with the with the various leagues right and collegiate week and those things so you were on teams with people of different ages and and all these things so listen for for me for me it was the perfect fit i mean to play ball every day all day long hmm. was <laughs> was just like heaven on earth it's pretty so, great yeah pretty it was. great <laughs> it was so you get up there and you start um you start into the league sports and you start playing ball what are what's your favorite camp sport I think my favorite camp sport had to be softball. Yeah, sixteen-inch softball. I mean, that was a game I loved, and you know, I um, as time went on and I got a little older and a little stronger, um, you know, I was I was a left-handed ah. hitter, so <laughs> the the mess hall was a great great target. You know, <laughs> um, have you uh, been back to camp in the say in the past fifteen or twenty years at all? Um, I had gone back to camp a number of times when my boys were there. Mm, sure. And then even when they weren't there, I went there was a group of people who went back and I went uh with them on a number of occasions. But it's been it's been a number of years now yeah. since I've been back. And I know the the camp has changed tremendously. Yeah, I mean a little it, it's changed but it also hasn't. I always talk to guys who don't go back for a long time think it's going to be, you know, t- there's maybe two new buildings, no old buildings, no buildings have been taken down. So it still looks the same and, yeah. the, and the newer things are small things that are kind of out of the way. Uh, I, I only said that because in 2001 they expanded the mess hall. And the rec hall, actually, they built the rec hall out to where there's no porch on the rec hall anymore. The wall is now where the end of the porch was. Ah. And the mess hall is probably mm, 25, 30 feet closer to home plate. Oh, really? <laughs> and these days, lefties don't even get the wall of the mess hall, let alone the roof. So I always think about, you know, you had 30 more feet to go. <laughs> I had 30 more feet. And, <laughs> and you were hitting the roof. I was hitting a roof. Once in a while, I hit it over. The <laughs> you know, that was like, uh, that was exciting. And Al... I'll never forget because, you know, before lunch or dinner, it was always kind of customary that, you know, somebody would pitch. There'd be a bunch of softballs. Oh, sure. On the, of course. And, and I'd always go out there and I'd say, just give it to me a little high and inside. And, uh, <laughs> and Al would come out of the office or out of the mess hall and he'd say, don't hit the mess hall. Don't hit the mess hall. And I'd say, oh, boy, that was even more, <laughs> <laughs> more of an incentive. Uh, but, no, that was, um, that was great. Yeah, fantastic. So you, did, so you enjoyed softball, the other sports. What about, um, what about the lesser sport, or like waterfront or things like archery or horseback riding? I, is that, I don't know if horseback riding still I didn't, there. I didn't. Yeah, they but, had horseback yeah. riding. And uh, I didn't do that. I, I was... Um, I was a serious swimmer mm. at, at the time. Actually, um, I swam in camp, and then I ended up swimming. Uh, I played. I, I swam for four years in high school competitively, oh. and then I also played baseball in, okay. hi, in high school okay. and and college as well. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I liked all that. I liked it all. I mean, it didn't matter really. I loved volleyball. That was fun. Mm. You know, basketball league was great. Um, I just um, lived for collegiate week. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we'll definitely get there. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I had a, a wonderful camp experience because 
I got to do so many things. I was, you know, when I was cabin in cabin 13, Sid Novak was the, uh, was basically in Denny's position. Right. You know, he was the head counselor. And he was, a uh, he was, a. Uh, a, an interesting man. I mean, <laughs> he was a rough guy and a strong guy, and he was a he was a coach at Crane Tech High School, mm. um, and I just loved him. I mean, I just got along great with him. And and one day he came to me, and he said, "Look, um, I can get you a free ride next summer if you're willing to do the play, be the bugler." And I said, and I thought, just thought, I just flashed on my father dancing in the streets, you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure, <laughs> you know. And I said, done, you know. And it ended up that I remained the bugler, you know, my second year uh, in cabin thirteen. Then the two years I was JC, and then the year I was counselor. Wow. And uh, and that was great. Yeah, I mean, that's a great deal for everybody. Yeah, that was great for everybody, <laughs> and I loved it. And um, and so I, I was the bugler. I, you know, I was on a lot of winning teams in, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, when I look back at it, I look at every aspect of it. I was an end man in the minstrel show. Mm. That was so much fun. Um, and then I was chief of the Braves. And that was so much fun. That is quite an honor. You know, and, uh, and I was the bugler and then collegiate week. I mean, it, it was, you know, I was always a high pick in Collegiate Week, which was, which was another another honor for sure. Yeah, a lot so, of respect from the other guys. You talk about being a, the bugler. Let's talk about that for just a second. Now, were you? Uh, did you already play? I mean, I did. I okay, played, it wasn't I, like you just learned for King. No, 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 no. no. I, I I started playing the trumpet when I was ten. Ah. I had a band in high school and oh, okay, uh, excellent and things like that. So even I actually, you know, near and dear to your heart is music and theater. I mean, uh, I would perform for the camp with my trumpet, you know, with, uh, you know, whoever was the, you know, camp piano player oh, at the very time, cool. whether it was very George cool. Sebring or uh, Dale Fisk, I think, mm-hmm. was one, uh, or uh, uh, there was uh, another fella. Lou Mager comes around. Lou Mager. Was, yeah. yeah. Lou's I, actually coming back to camp this wow. summer. Yeah, so, yeah. and I think, uh, I don't know if it was Lou Mager, there was somebody from Indiana, I can't oh, remember. Oh, uh, Paul James? can't remember he indiana so it was so you know we would do we would do things where we would get up and i'd play four or five songs and he'd accompany me and and everybody be happy and you know it was a lot of fun so yeah uh, for sure so we did that um we haven't had a live bugler in uh probably about 20 years that's what i heard which i'm actually very sad about because you know it was a great thing the kids liked it you know and uh you know, for me, it was really great. I mean, you know, playing taps at night, you know, or or getting everybody up in the morning. Right. You know, and then you had this whole series of different calls. Um, and so, you had, you know, you had to be there. I was going to say, it's not as easy as just waking up and going to bed. You no, got to no, be there you, for all the first and second calls and exactly. waiters. Waiters and, and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and the flag raising, flag lowering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you had a whole day of, uh, of regimented times when you had to be there, but yeah, for you sure. know, it was, it was great. You know, all the kids would come around. And, oh yeah. I'm sure know. they'd like swarm you cause they want to be there great. when you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was great. And, um, 
you know, I, I think one of my one of my best memories. I mean, um, I was in cabins six, seven, ten, twelve, and two years and thirteen. So when we were in cabin seven, so what were we? We were I, I was uh, cabin six. It was just before my eleventh birthday. So cabin seven, we were twelve years just before my twelfth twelfth birthday, and our cabin just had this kind of uh, collection of really competitive, great athletes. Mm. And we would challenge the, the senior cabins. <laughs> from cabin seven. From cabin seven. <laughs> so we beat everybody up to 12. Who were the guys? Who were the, some oh, of the other guys? Oh, my God. There, it was Chuck Green. Um, it was Steve Seffrin. They called him the bear. Um, Lloyd Marks. Um, um, in seven, I think Chuck Turek was in seven, uh, Shelly Gottlieb. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to remember who else. Um, so we had this, this great group. Yeah. And every time we won, it got more exciting and, you know, <laughs> um, and so, I mean, we actually... I mean, got up to where we were could challenge cabin thirteen in in cabin seven, which was I would say that's a pretty big deal. Pretty intense. <laughs> that was pretty intense. Yeah. You know? These days, if that happens, it's like shuffleboard or so, you yeah, know, it's something know. where there's an even playing field. You can't really like go play softball. Or I something know. That way. I know. And you know, on Sunday mornings, we used to watch the JCs and the counselors have their game on the campus, which was yeah. like for a young kid was always a thrill. And, yeah. at that, and in those days, those were like really great athletes too. You had a lot Hershey of the, Carl, Hershey and, Carl, and Ronnie Rubenstein, and Barry Holt, and uh, Alan Denenberg, and uh, and the um, uh, Bartlestein brothers. Mm. Uh, you know, there were there were so and Mickey Schwartz was playing. <laughs> you know, Mickey was a pitcher, uh, and uh, there were so many. I mean, really, kind of. World class athletes, yeah, you know that, and you got to the. Uh, it was just great, you know, and, and they'd line up the baselines. All the kids would come out and sit on the baselines and watch the counselors and the JCs play. I don't yeah, know. If they, sure. I don't know if they do that anymore. They do now. To be fair, the sort of the the top end of the athletics is a little lower, and it, it speaks to what you said earlier about specialty camps and everything. Um, for Ojibwa, that period of the late fifties, early sixties. People like to argue that when they were there, of course, the best athletes were there. But there's really no question historically, like, that was it. So Because once you get into the 50s, Ojibwe had become a big enough deal in Chicago that people knew the best athletes are going there. And you started to get these guys, and, it, and before the specialty camp. So now you've got guys who are going to play in the NBA. You've got guys who are all playing D1 ball somewhere. Yeah. And it really, not only does it set a great tone for those games, but also, like you said, for you guys, I mean, it, it inspires... If you have a really athletic 10-year-old, where do you want to send them? You want to send them to the camp where there's 15 staff playing college ball. That's right. <laughs> so well, it, I mean, it, it just and, feeds itself. Right. Yeah. They used to, I mean, they used to have counselor basketball games. I mean, that, or they play awesome. another camp. They play Ray Meyer's camp, mm. you know, and, and Hershey Carl was an All-American. And Ronnie Rubenstein was the sixth man at Louisville. And, uh, and you know, and Howie Falk. Uh, played for I think Loyola or something like that. Mm -hmm. So these these guys were great, you know. Um, and I can I mean you know being a twelve year old kid sitting there in the same camp with those guys, I can yeah. say it's like they're like gods to them for sure. It's for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and then when you get to be a junior counselor and a counselor, it's it's like you played ball every single day. Mm. I mean, and and if there was an argument among like the people who are staff in your cabin, it was like, oh no, I played yet. You played yesterday. I get to play today. You know, it's, a, it's like, no, no, that was two days ago. You know, so that's funny. Uh, so it was always, it was always great. Yeah. You know? Well, you mentioned the minstrel show, and one thing that I love about camp is, and obviously it speaks to me, but no matter how sports camp it was, and even in the greatest era of our sports time as camp, there's always that stage side that that is always part of it too. And it's a place where the biggest, toughest jock can still get on stage and do a song. And it's totally fine. And everyone loves it, in fact. So it kind of makes it cool for everyone. Tell me a little bit about uh, some of your stories about working on the Ojibwe stage. Well, I was an end man. Um, and so, you know, when you're a kid and you remember seeing the the hand routine with the bl- blue lights and or whatever it was. And, you right. know, and uh, I mean, the minstrel show was great. I mean, of course politically incorrect you know, certainly <laughs> at the time but yeah. it, you know when you at that point you weren't thinking in that direction but right. but it was it was it was just great it was great because i happen to love theater i love performing and for me it was um you know to get together with these people and when and, and when i was there and doing it I mean, we had such hysterically funny people. I mean, we had Jimmy Schwartz and Artie Berman, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there was there was just so many guys that were fun, and um, and and uh, you know, liked each other. Yeah. I mean, there there wasn't a lot of conflict at camp. I didn't think. I mean, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, obviously you have almost 200 people. Nobody's going to love everybody. But in terms of a community of people there for eight weeks, yeah, every day, yeah, you know. <laughs> it would be easy for it to be a real mess sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't have a lot of recollections of of conflict. Yeah. You know. I think that's something that holds true about camp. I mean, even if, you know, if two guys get into it for some reason or whatever, go, go talk it out, go figure it out. You're not going, no one's going anywhere. So let's just talk it out and figure it out. And then an hour later, everyone's hugs and yeah, having dinner. Good to go. You know, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic because I, when I look at the kids today who don't, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I always like played line ball on the street and things like that. Mm. And at camp, you're, 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 you know, when it's not organized into a league, you're, you're playing tennis. You're 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 on a basketball court with a th- few other guys, and you know, uh, did you step out? Did you step in? Was that in? Did, you know, <laughs> and and the beauty of it was, you were compelled to work things out and and say, okay, all right, that, that was all right. You said it was a double on line ball. Okay, I thought it was a home run. Okay, it's a double. Hmm. And I think what's lost a lot today is, and I don't want to sound like I'm a thousand years old, <laughs> but I think that everything is, is so organized and structured today that it's, there's always an umpire or something like that. Mm. It's not that skill of kids figuring out how to work it out among themselves. And, yeah. and camp, camp, whether it was an issue in the cabin or on the ball field, or whatever it is, you were forced to work it out. 
And, you know, uh, that's really, that's an interesting way to look at it for sure. I mean, because now with the structure, the kid, let's say the kid, the kid can just get mad at the umpire instead of the kid and the other kid working it out between them. They just have this third party who's enforcing the rule and just be like, okay, well that guy's a jerk. He doesn't know what he's doing and there's no sort of resolution of anything. And, and, you know, camp, camp puts you in those positions a lot, Yeah, you know? And so you, you figured it out, you know, and and uh, you know, if if you were a guy who always had to have the final decision on every single issue, you weren't going to be a particularly popular guy, <laughs> right? You know, over a course of an eight week period. Yeah. So absolutely, you invoked it, uh, the name earlier, so we might as well talk about it. The biggest sporting event in the entire Northwoods, of course, Camp Ojibwa's Collegiate Week. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experience with Collegiate Week. For me, Collegiate Week was was wonderful. I always look forward to it. In fact, I got lucky because my very first year, I won Collegiate Week. <laughs> I mean, and I was just like on the JV, you know. So sure. I was, uh, and uh, I had a wonderful coach, a guy by the name of Mickey Gitlitz. He was uh, he was there. I'm trying to remember who the the junior counselor might have been. Don Trail. I'm not sure. He was the bugler when I was ah. a little kid. So, um, but we won and, um, and I just, I, I loved it because it was organized. It was a week long thing, all kinds of different events, swimming meets and track meets and stunt night and song night and, and, you know, and, and athletic, you know, serious athletic things. So for me, it was great, and you know, I was—I uh, won it. I think one other time, um, came close a couple times. Actually, got a thrill. I—I I was picked one 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 year. Very uh, nice. Yeah, and that was—you know—when you're a kid, that was nice to be the number one picking camp. Listen, so. I know a lot of guys who are grown men who it's still, <laughs> it wasn't just when, <laughs> yeah, but it was, uh, it was, it was, it was funny. Uh, but you know, it's, um, and I don't think I wanted that year actually, <laughs> uh, but, but it was great. I mean, uh, it, it was, it was really good because, you know, forced you to deal with failure and, you know, disappointment for your teammates and, and things like that, and you know, I think it's I think it's great. I think, in some respects, it may have been challenging for someone who was not an overly skilled athlete. Yes, you sure. Know? And sure. I think camp in general, the nature of Ojibwa was more was more tilted towards someone who, if I would say, if you were an average athlete or above. You know, you didn't have to be a superstar to have fun and do well. Right. But if you struggled, you know, if 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 this if athletics didn't come naturally to you, it was probably more of a challenge. Yeah. Not that it wasn't a great a good experience, mm-hmm. but I think the, the the extent of the emphasis on on athletics was. <clears throat> You know, for some people, probably not the best. And part of it depended on kind of the nature of your coach. Mm. You know, if you you were fortunate enough to have a coach who recognized that not everybody had equal ability, and as you you properly stated, if, if they were out there giving it their best and 
and that's all the coach cared about, you know, then that was great. Yeah. You know, but, you know, sometimes you get coaches who are so super competitive that they don't recognize that not everybody is skilled and people drop fly balls that are, are easy and, you know, so, but, but when you ask about collegiate week, for me, that was like the pinnacle of, of the summer. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, some of the coaches. Do you remember some of your counselors or, or, or guys that you just really connected with? Very I well? remember all my counselors. <laughs> I remember course. every one of them. And <laughs> I have to say I was lucky. I had great counselors. I mean, uh, and we, there wasn't a counselor that I remember that wasn't caring and terrific and mm. fun and, and that you went home at the end of the summer and said, geez, I wish I had somebody else. Um, and, and one of my, one of my most fond stories of camp related to one of, uh, to one of our JCs. Okay. Um, one of my cabin mates was, was Lloyd Marks, who unfortunately passed away. Hmm. Um, but Lloyd's father was in one of these like specialty goofy products businesses. Okay. You know, like bird whistles and sure. and all kinds Whoopee of Whoopee cushions things. or something. Oh, just like crazy stuff that he would import, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I don't know where they got them, but there was all these different kinds of things. And uh, it was the it was the time when Polaroid cameras hmm. were just the rage, you know. I mean, so so anyway, everybody knew about Lloyd's father having these unique kind of things. So one morning, um, our JC was stark naked, and he was <laughs> leaning over his bed to pick something up on the other side of the bed. So he was completely naked and wasn't paying attention. So we took a photo of him in in the, with a Polaroid. And then at lunch, we said to him, um, you're not going to believe this, but Lloyd's father got this unbelievable special product that's a, f- that's a film that you, you, know, you put in a Polaroid camera, and when you take it, it, it looks right through clothes. You can see people. <laughs> and he, so he says, no, that's impossible. I don't, that can't be. I said, no, it is. It's, it's, it's true. So after lunch, we get him back in the cabin. Everybody's in the cabin. You know, it's rest period. And we, and we said, here, let, we'll, we'll show you. We'll prove it. So we, what we had is we put his photo in the back already in the, in the Polaroid. <laughs> and so we set him up in the exact physical position that he was over his bed. <laughs> and Lloyd pretended to take the photo, and everybody's looking at their watches. Is it right? Yeah, it's about right. It's about mm-hmm. right. And we open up the back of the camera, and sure, of course, we have this <laughs> naked picture of him. <laughs> so we say, here, look at this. And his first was, let's find the nurses. Let's get them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, that genius. That's genius. So... <laughs> I mean, there are so many camp stories. I mean, uh, you know, we used to do goofy things. I mean, like when we were JCs or counselors, kids in the cabin would say, oh, Lance, 
when you go get me a get me a milkshake from Zimpleman's, you know. So we'd go in to town and we'd have milkshakes at Zimpleman's. We'd get the cartons, you know, mm-hmm. and everything, and we'd bring them back and we'd put it by the side of his bed. So in the morning when he'd get up, he'd say, how, how, was, how was that milkshake? Did you enjoy it? He says, what milkshake? We said the one from Simpleman's. You, you asked us to get you something from Simpleman's. Wait, here, there's a carton right there. He goes, oh, my God, really? Thanks so much. <laughs> That's a fantastic trick. Yeah. You, you counselors listening, you can pull that off now. A couple boxes of McDonald's around the bed. <laughs> I don't know. Is Zimpleman's still there? Uh, Zimpleman, the Zimpleman's where it was is now Tremblay's. It's a fudge store. Uh-huh. Um, but there is another soda fountain. Kind of, now it's a retro so, soda I fountain. See. But around the corner, there's a place called Soda Pops. Right. And you can still get a you know cherry lime Ricky. The, and uh, another story that I remember is when I was chief of the Braves and... Um, you know, we'd be at the campfire site, mm-hmm. and when you walk around, you have the drummer, and sure. and the people who were supposed to be picked as when they say rise neophyte, the people who are there, you, they're spotters, you know, counselors who like point, you know, they're standing behind the kids, and as you're walking through the aisles, and the drummers, you know, hitting that drum beat. Mm-hmm. The the guy will the the counselor will point to a kid and the drummer goes you know da, 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 da. you say rise neophyte and the kid gets up and he gets in a line with everybody else sure and uh, one powwow we're doing this and the counselor points to somebody and the drummer hits the drum and I put the tomahawk on the back of his shoulder and I say rise neophyte and he gets up and it's like a kid in cabin two. That was like, oh my God, what do we do? do?" He just had the night of his life. Yeah, he had the night. Eight year old. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I think he had to be, I think he had to be 12 or 13 or something like that at the time. So uh, that was, that was a fun kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So you go into being a counselor, junior counselor first. Uh, How does that change for you? Do you really, do you like, you know, some guys like being a camper better. Some guys. <laughs> I love being a camper. Yeah. I mean, I love being a camper. And, um, and I was probably the worst waiter in the history of Camp Ojibwe. <laughs> I was slow. I didn't particularly care for it. And I just, uh, it just wasn't a great thing for me. But I did it for two years. But I was asked to wait staff one night. mm and so I went to, I went to st- uh, wait staff, and after that, um, they came to me and said, I, I think probably staff is not for you. Because <laughs> you know, they must have said something. They must have complained like, oh, my God, he's terrible. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, I, you know, everybody else would, would say, they walk into the kitchen, you know, and uh, they'd say, I'm, I'm staff. You know, and I didn't do that. Yeah. I just waited with everybody else. <laughs> so the kids were getting food and the oh, staff yeah, is waiting. Oh, yeah, that's not going to go. No, that no. was, not, that was <laughs> not well received. But, um, you know, it was, um, it was great. I loved, uh, you know, we would go to other camps. We competed mm. against other camps. So they'd either come to our camp or we'd travel. That was always fun, you know. Yeah. Um, and did you guys play ta- some town teams as well, or we played? Um, we did. We played. I I can't remember 
we we played some pretty serious as counselors. Mm-hmm. As counselors, we played against some other teams from towns or something like that, and there was some serious serious talent. Yeah, playing. I'm sure, uh, you know. Um, so that was always fun. Um, no, I just um, I I have nothing but fond memories, and when I see people who are Ojibwe people or I talk to them or even when like Barry Feldman just called and mm-hmm. said, you want to do this project. I mean, there wasn't even a question in my mind. I mean, the opportunity to talk about something that was such a formative part of my growing up, you know, is so something that was so important and, uh, you know, it created lasting relationships so I, I, I consider myself lucky, not only to have gone to Ojibwa, but to have gone to Ojibwa when I went to Ojibwa. Mm, sure, absolutely, absolutely. One thing we always talk about: once you become a staff man, there's another aspect of the bonding of camp and the sort of creating relationships, and that's what happens after dark as a staff man. Typically not at camp, <laughs> oftentimes in town, wherever you may go. But there's a, se- a separate kind of bonding that starts to happen with your group. Uh, tell me a little bit about going out at night or uh, spending time off camp with some of your friends at camp. We would go, you know, we would go to um, the, what was it called, Eagle um, Waters. Mm, Eagle Waters. Eagle Waters. Mm-hmm. There, but most of the time we would go get burgers and have a beer or something. At um, there was like a kind of on the way into town. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a place and I can't remember the name of it right now. Is it was it the A and W already? Or well, like A and W was there. I see as well. But this was more of a like a grill bar and grill mm, kind of gotcha. place. Um, I don't know. We'd go, we'd walk around, go to movies. Um, and you'd go in with a bunch of guys, you know, mostly people who had cars. Right. right? I mean, you know, a lot of us didn't have cars. I mean, sure. I didn't have a car, certainly. But, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, who's going into town tonight? Who's got cars? And, and you know, be different people, different times. Um, the staff, I have to say this... When I was a counselor in 1962, was one of the great staffs. Yeah. It was, I mean, the people who were there were just fantastic people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and we, you know, the Kerman brothers were there, and, and sure. there was, uh, you know, um, Bobby Briskman was there. He came, you know, and Teddy, Teddy Hurt, uh, Hirsch. Hirschberg, hmm. uh, you know, there was lots of wonderful, great people, you know, and Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Schwartz, a lot of guys from, from downstate hmm. who, who went downstate at University of Illinois. Oh, sure, of course. Jack Boonshaft, he was a great guy. He was, he was from St. Louis. Um, there were, um, there were people from all over and, um, and the staff got along really great. And, yeah, uh, nice. They were, they were terrific guys. I mean, uh, you know, I was a counselor in Cabin 6. I started in Cabin 6, and when I, and when I became a counselor, I was a counselor in Cabin 6. 
and you know Shelley Gottlieb, and there was Mike Allspector. He was from Peoria, Illinois. Mm. He was, you know, uh, and um, so there was, and of course, my, the counselors in Cabin Thirteen, Lee Schneidman and Sandy Maravitz. Uh, and, excellent. You know, those guys were were, were wonderful. You yeah. know, um, yeah, it was. It was uh, fantastic. Elliot wasn't quite old enough Elliot to be. Friedman, a, was he already on staff with you at that point? Elliot Friedman might have been. Yeah, I think he actually was. He he did the Medicine Man. Shelley Gottlieb did the Medicine Man for years. Hmm. Um, you know, in fact, if you look at it, you'll see a lot of it is him. Yeah. You know, during those years, and and he and he did a great job with that. Um, uh, and then Elliot came up. Elliot was very devoted to camp um and still is still is mm -hmm. yeah and i haven't seen him for a long time um but you know we would there were howard miller was a was you know a, a younger guy hysterical guy mm. you know and uh and you had the mike Bagan, you know, I, even when I was a JC, I mean, I had great campers. I had, you know, I had, uh, when I was a JC in Cabin 10, I had a great group of people. They were great athletes. They were fun, you know. Mm. You know so I, I don't know. When you say, what do you, what did you like best? I think <laughs> I like being senior, I like being a camper the best. I like being a, a senior counselor <laughs> the next best. And, and then JC. <laughs> and, and then JC. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, at least you, you got to play still as a JC. Oh, yeah. I always, as we sort of um, wind down a little bit, I always ask a couple of questions. Number one, and we've touched on it a little bit, but sort of just put it into a box. You're now a grown up, and uh, camp was. That's debatable. Well, fair <laughs> enough. And camp was a, a little while ago. Uh, how would you say that your time at camp affected your whole life? Well, I think I was a competitive person by nature, but I think those years at camp and those team sports um, really kind of formulated who who I was as a person, and and um, and it's funny because I've practiced law now for. Golly, um, I graduated law school in 1967. Mm. And I always say, to me, practicing law is like a team sport. Mm. It's competitive. Sure. It's competitive. I want to win. And I want to win, but I want to win in a way that's cooperative and respectful of rules and... The, the rules of the game. Yeah, for sure. You know, but at the end of the day, I want to be the guy with more, with more runs in the scorebook <laughs> or more points on the board. You know. Yeah. And so I think very much those those years, you know, were very helpful in. Yeah, I think in developing people skills and, um, and and learning a lot about yourself too. I mean. You know, you have a you, you're you're up there by yourself. Right. I mean, right. you've got friends. You don't have parents. You've got counselors. You got to make a lot of decisions on your own about 
what you want to do, how you want to conduct yourself, and how you, you know, how you want to relate to others. Yeah, for sure. And I think that really has carried over, you know. Um, I think my one big regret is I missed 1961. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. Very fair. Uh, the last question I always ask everyone is, um, just tell me one more great camp story. More great. Well, um, when I was in cabin 13, Steve Nitzkin, who was called Diz. Of course. Dizzy. And um, we were in cabin 13 two years in a row together. And he had this thing for little Richard. Okay. Sure. And every morning, as soon as Reveille was blown, he'd open up the window of his bunk, so, and he put the speaker up against the window, and he would blast little Richard <laughs> <laughs> into the can. You know, long, tall Sally. Of course, and, sure. You know, uh, and all these, all these crazy songs. And, you know, it was... It was just like one of those colorful that's moments. That's perfect. Know? That's total camp, right? Like yeah. those smallest little thing yeah. is the biggest thing in the world at camp. Yeah. And it's the thing that we carry on for five or 10 or 50 years. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming well, out and doing this. This was a, a privilege and an honor for me. Thanks for, for asking me and taking the time. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Another one in the books, Steve Landsman. Great time with Lands. A lot of great names getting mentioned. Uh, maybe, maybe one of them was yours. As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibbaHistory.org. Or just swing by the website. New stuff going up all the time. Uh, the 1967 Jubilee up in its entirety. Fantastic recording there. Thank you, Dave Gertz, for that. Dave also had a couple of uh, very cool movies from 71, which are going to be going up in the very near future. Keep your eyes open for that. Uh, quick announcement for the Campo Ojibwe crowd. On October 10th at the uh, Northbrook Fields, we're going to be having an open fields event. So we're going to be there in the afternoon, 1.30 to 3.30. The Ojibwe Mobile will be there. I'll be there. Stu will be there. Who knows? Who knows who will be there? Come on out and uh, have a little fun with the Ojibwa family. Always a great time when we do those events. That is it, and it's time to have a cigar. <laughs> <laughs>